Hello everyone, this is episode 734 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Friday, August 21st, 2020. I'm your host, Mark Herznes, and today I've got a lot to talk about. I've got Marvel's Avengers, Battletoads, Microsoft Flight Simulator, Mortal Shell, Helheim Hassle, Fold Apart, Pokemon Sword, Fortnite, Apex Legends, and so much more. Now that's, that's pretty much it, but... Before I get to all that, I want to talk about the Oculus Quest, not because I have anything super interesting to talk about. It's something I've been humoring the idea of purchasing because I want to get a headset at some point for Microsoft Flight Simulator, and I'll get to that when I talk about the game proper, but I also am someone who hasn't been that wowed by VR, and I attribute that to... PSVR being okay, but not the best. And also, I think for VR to truly explode and become something that is much more prominent out there and in a lot more people's hands is for it to be wireless. And the Quest is wireless. You can tether it to your PC to play games that require that extra horsepower, but there are plenty of games you can play when it's just on its own in its wireless form, like Beat Saber. I think Moss is a quest game, and there are other bigger games. And of course, you're going to lose visual fidelity, but the trade-off of having it be wireless and having it be just this 360 space is something that is way more appealing to me than visual fidelity in terms of VR. Like, I want to be lost in this space and not feel like, okay, I can only turn... And then this is something that is strictly with PSVR. I don't know how this is with other PC headsets and stuff, but like with PC, PC, PSVR, I can only turn whatever, 90 degrees in either angle before the eye, the PlayStation eye, doesn't see me and the headset or whatever, the front of the headset, and therefore it says, okay, you got to get back into view because we can't see you. And with the Quest, you can just turn around anywhere and it'll be fine. So that is very appealing. The wireless stuff, of course, is. And then the hand tracking and all that seems significantly better because that was another issue I had with PlayStation VR is that the Move controllers would constantly lose their placement. When I was playing Super Hot VR, I loved the hell out of it. It was so much fun. However, every time i die and have to restart, it would lose track of either my left or right hand and I would have to re not align it but i have to just re-jigger it and be like hey this is this is my arm again or this is my hand okay you're good okay now i can start playing again and that constant disconnect and requiring of me to fix it was an incredible hassle especially with a game like super hot where levels are incredibly short if you've played it and not having to worry about that is incredibly appealing But a big thing of my interest in getting into a VR headset for PC specifically is so that I can use it with uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator. But the reason why I felt like mentioning is that the Oculus Quest is going to require, and this is just Oculus headsets in general, I don't think it's Quest specific, they will begin requiring you to log in via Facebook. And this has gotten a lot of people upset. As someone who has a Facebook account, but doesn't use it to put information out there 
doesn't communicate with friends. I don't do anything with it outside of having it to use Messenger with the few friends who only want to talk that way and to have my Pixelated Sausage Facebook page that I can control and all that jazz. I don't use Facebook, so having to log in via Facebook isn't something that I'm like, oh my God, my privacy is going to be destroyed and take advantage of. They're going to take all this information. What information? I have no information on there. Any information that's on Facebook is available anywhere else. It's not like, I don't know. And if you're someone who doesn't use Facebook in general, you can create a phony account, just create a bullshit thing to log in to spaces, and then what do you, what do you have to worry about? I don't know. I don't get why people are so upset over those types of things when you have to be putting so much information on Facebook to have to worry about privacy concerns. If you're not putting information on Facebook, what are they going to do? Is Facebook hacking your computer? Getting information from every like they once you're in Facebook, then everything's up for grabs. They know when you're logging into your Gmail account, all this other crap. Like it, I don't know, whatever. I think people just want to hate Facebook because Facebook is kind of a shitty thing, but at the same time, I don't think they're I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't bother me, I guess is the point. Anywho, on to what I've been playing. So I tried the Marvel Avengers beta and it's it's uh it's pretty. I'll give it that. It's got some nice set pieces, but I was not enjoying my time with it at all and then it froze at one point and I was like, yeah, I think this is the game telling me I've had enough of it. I don't need to keep playing and I'm good and I then deleted it. I got through the bridge section and then as Hulk, I made it through I don't know, 10 minutes of his level with Elastic Girl or whatever the hell she is, whoever the hell she is. And yeah, the thing about it, and I don't know if this is the actual issue, but the way I'm looking at it is that it it feels like there's a a weird disconnect between what the game is and what the game is in that with a games as a service game, like Destiny or Warframe or what Anthem wanted to be, really. I feel like you need more open spaces and more interesting gameplay or, or, or chances for things to naturally happen or organically happen in these spaces and not just have them be these very linear corridor sections where you're just fighting enemies and then you're moving through these small spaces there's no room to branch out and explore just like it feels weird and that it is such a linear experience and yet it is trying to have this games as a service vibe to it setup to it design to it it just doesn't mesh well together and then the gameplay is a mixed bag i thought flying as iron man was awful it was like a bad version of panzer dragoon or res or any of those types of games where you're just limited in space because you you can't freely fly around the area you're just on this track essentially and then enemies will come up and you shoot at them and it just felt terrible i think probably because it wasn't a, a lock-on type of system it was just free shooting but it 
wasn't fun doing that. Fighting as Iron Man wasn't that fun. Playing as Thor, not bad. Playing as Cap, okay. Playing as Hulk, meh. Jumping around as him, doing little wall jumps, I wasn't overly fond of. And Black Widow, solid. Black Widow was solid, though you didn't get a great chance to see how she works. Because you're just fighting against the one boss, I believe. But it, it just was pretty damn boring. It reminded me, at least the, the bridge section, the opening section, reminded me of a boss fight from the most recent God of War game. Where, and, and some people love those things. And I, I don't know if people would love that in general, if that was all the game was. I mean, the, the second area, you're more free to just fight and you're not just doing set piece after set piece but it was just this big long section where you're seeing a lot of amazing things happen and then you occasionally are in control but overall it's it's just more of a glorified cutscene in a sense that is also teaching you all the the different avengers and all their jazz and how they play the voice acting and character designs yes the characters are all pretty bland and don't have any kind of distinct look to them, but I found the voice acting to be all over the map. Some were okay, but the dude voicing Thor, I thought, was terrible. I could not stand any time Thor opened his mouth. I just hated the way he sounded so much. I'm pretty sure what's-his-face, Nathan Drake, I can't remember his actual name, is voicing Iron Man, Tony Stark, and he just sounded, I don't know, I, he just sounded like, not like Nathan Drake, but just the actor himself. It, it didn't sound unique enough. It just sounded like a very boring, thrown-in performance. But, yeah. I wasn't excited about the game ever since it was, not since it was announced, but when we first saw footage for it, I was like, eh. This isn't doing much for me. And every time since that we've seen stuff about it, haven't been super excited about it, and now having played it for myself for just a little bit, I am in no way excited about it. It's a visual feast, and, and that's all it really has going forward. Outside of that, I'm like, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd rather play so many other games. But then um, played some Battletoads, the first three levels, and it's... It's a weird-ass game because the core mechanics of the beat-em-up sections of the game are solid. As they beat them up it's not terrible. The punching and, and, and all that, just the fighting in general, feels pretty good. You have a dash ability, which makes the game significantly easier amongst many other beat-em-ups. It may even make it the easiest beat-em-up ever because it's so easy to avoid getting hit using the dash ability. And there's no kind of cooldown or anything. You can just use it as much as you want all the time. However, the second area was a fucking weird-ass minigame collection. It was only about a minute and 30 seconds, but you do three different minigame collections. One where you're like beating this fish or animal in order to prepare for cooking, I think. And then you're like doing some IT work on a computer and then you're doing some other shit. And it's just like, what, what is this that I'm doing? And then the third level is the speeder bike level. You're like, okay, this is 
fine, I guess. This is the worst thing in the world. But then when you think you're probably done with it, you're like, oh, shit, there's, there's more up there. And it keeps going and going and going. And it's like eight minutes long, and it's just a fucking nightmare. It's an absolute mess. And then the, the fourth area is more beat-em-up stuff. But at that point, I'm just like, I don't care enough about this. But on top of all that, the story and voice acting is atrocious. It is not funny. The voice acting is incredibly annoying. And while the core combat and beat-em-up mechanics are solid and fun, I think the art direction is not great. The character designs of the Battletoads are fine, but some of the enemies look really bad and there's a weird glow to this one enemy in the first area. When a lot of shit is happening on screen, it's just a bit messy. And it's hard not to compare it to the other beat-em-up. There might be other beat-em-ups as well from this year, but the other big beat-em-up from this year, Streets of Rage 4, which is incredible and beautiful and does so many things so well. You know, I think the only negative anyone could really put on Streets of Rage 4 is that the music, in comparison to the previous games in the series, ignoring Streets of Rage 3, is not as good. But everything else is superior. And that game is just amazing. It is my favorite game of the year still. And admittedly, I haven't played that many games. But when I play Battletoads and think about Streets of Rage 4, I'm just like, why on earth would I keep playing this when Streets of Rage 4 is there? And I'm not sure if Streets of Rage 4 is still on Games Pass, but, yeah, or Game Pass. Is it Games Pass or Game Pass? I think it's Game Pass, right? I don't know. Anywho, game, no, it has to be Game Pass, because I think when they're like little logo, if it was Games Pass, it wouldn't be completely even. The games on top would be longer than the pass on the bottom. Anywho, that's Battletoads, which is, Oh, whatever. You can try it if you want. If you have Xbox and Game Pass, then Microsoft Flight Simulator is exactly what I wanted it to be. I know there are some people who are like, oh, I wish it was more gaming, but it never was trying to be a game-ass game. It's a flight simulator, so I don't know what those people were expecting. Uh, I guess they, they wanted something the game was never going to be, and maybe they'll add stuff in the future. I don't know, but like, for me, all I wanted out of Microsoft Flight Simulator was the ability to explore the world in a way I wouldn't be able to otherwise and go to places that I know I will never go to. I'm not somebody who is super fond of traveling, and there are a few places I'd like to go, but for the most part, I am not going to be going to a lot of places in the world. I'm never going to go to the Grand Canyon, but I can fly there in Flight Simulator and it looks amazing even on lower settings it still looks pretty damn good and i'm just so excited for it to come out on consoles i think if they can make it happen as a series x launch title that'll be just the best but i've played it for a few hours tried it with both a controller and a flight stick and the second i started using the flight stick i'm like yep this was the this was a good purchase i am very happy i did this because while it is functional and works with the controller it feels so much better with a flight stick and i i just i love it i i know that for some 
even the way I play it, I think, is boring to people who also enjoy the game despite the lack of gaming bits in that I don't care about takeoff or landing or doing any of those types of challenges or, or any crap like that. I just want to fly in the air and look at the world. That's all I want to do. What I really want out of an update at some point is the ability to have fuller Bing Maps integration and the ability to input an address and then get a waypoint to that specific point. Because you can't do that right now. If you want to do that, you have to like look at the in-game whatever map and then use Bing Maps yourself and just try to like eyeball it or some shit. And I, I don't want to deal with that. I just want to be able to type in an address in-game and then travel there. But I find it an incredibly peaceful and pleasant experience. The biggest negative that I think everyone knows at this point is that the load times are pretty horrible, especially that initial load time. It definitely takes, I don't know, it it may take close to 10 minutes to actually get the game running and to get to the point where you are actually flying in the air, which is a long time to wait to get to the game, especially when it has crashed on me a few times. But I think it's crashed when I'm trying to do different things and maybe alt-tabbing out of it and stuff like that. But it is what I wanted it to be. And I just wanted to come out on consoles at this point so that I can see it even prettier. Because I, I can run it all right on medium settings, but I'm, I opted for low settings to just have the smoothest experience that I could get. And it, it still looks good on low. But of course, it would look better with higher settings. And the Series X will be significantly more powerful than my PC. So I am I am excited for when that comes out on consoles. And hopefully it's not too far out in the future. And Mortal Shell is a Souls-like. And it's... You're already going to know how I feel about it with this initial statement it has a lot of potential however there are plenty of issues throughout it i'll start with the high points i think from a visual standpoint it looks pretty good i like the general aesthetic and art direction combat is all right i like some of the things they're playing around mechanically having this harden system that allows you to harden your body and withstand any attack and then having that have a cooldown of like a few seconds so you can't just spam it and destroy everything but that is kind of where everything or all the good bits end in that while I like the look of it the levels are very everything looks very similar and it is hard to get lost in a i mean after you've played enough you'll know okay i just need to keep going this direction and then turn left here or whatever but like it is easy to get mixed up because it, it feels procedurally generated and reminiscent of remnant uh from the ashes and that there are places where like okay i'm there's a hill that goes up to this campfire or whatever and there are people up there 
and then you go off in some other direction, you'll find another thing that looks exactly the same. And you're like, wait, is this that campfire? Did I just go like in a circle or is this a new one? And then you'll find another thing that's just like that in a different place. And you're like, what, what is going on? Am I just going in circles or are these things all over the place? I mean, they must be all over the place if you go up there and fight the enemies because they would not be there if you've killed them and you find a new one. But then that's another problem. You don't really need to fight the enemies because the the way the progression system works is weird. You're not gaining experience or anything like that. I think when you kill enemies, you get this currency that you can use to unlock abilities in your shells because you are this whatever. Call it a hollow or whatever you want to call it. And you inhabit these shells these pieces of armor in the environment that all have their own unique abilities and strengths and and weaknesses and it's a little frustrating in how that works because it feels like you can just go through the game without where i i don't know part of the game feels very easy but then another part of it feels like it's just not giving you the opportunity to progress in any way from a character building standpoint, which I find a little bit frustrating in games like this. Even the, the fact that you're not getting new pieces or armor or anything, you can find new weapons, you can find some new shells, but I think that's it. And I'm not super fond of the way the health system works in that you don't have any kind of regenerating SS flasks or similar type of system that you get refills of whenever you go at a campfire, stuff like that. You just have to find food in the environment and then use those as, as you want. And the the way any kind of item works is that after you've used it, I think 10 or so times, you'll grow an efficiency for it and it'll be more useful. So there are mushrooms in the world that will heal you. You use them enough, they'll heal you better. There are poisonous mushrooms that will poison you initially, but then after you've poisoned yourself enough times, you will be able to get poison resistance from them. And I, I like this type of system where you are going through an environment, you find stuff, and you have no idea what it does until you use it. That is a very common thing amongst rogue likes and lights. And I think it works well in the game. But my biggest problem is that the pairing system, which is significant and important, especially since when you build up resolve, you can parry. And when you hit a successful parry with resolve, you can regain a bit of health from the enemy after you you do your damage. However, while you can parry without resolve, it seems the timing just seems off. And I don't think it's actually the case that parrying with Resolve is easier than pairing without it, but it feels that way. And I can never get the timing quite right. It just felt too finicky trying to get that to work. And that was frustrating because I was enjoying the combat and the flow of attacking. When I see an enemy attack, I'll harden. Because you can harden at any point. If you are in mid-strike, you can harden. And I think that works really well, and I, I like that flow in combat but the pairing system which is kind of crucial especially if you're low on health and have some resolve it just feels like it's a bit off 
and it got to the point where I was fighting this boss and I was just going at it over and over and over again, trying to get a feel for the timing of the parry system. I, I didn't care about beating the boss or anything like that. I just wanted to get the timing down and then feel confident in playing more of the game, but it just never happened. And that was a bit of a bummer, but uh, yeah. I think there are some good ideas in Mortal Shell, and I'd love to see a Mortal Shell 2 if that can happen. You know, it all depends on sales and stuff like that. But Mortal Shell, as it is, is just a little bit too rough around the edges for me to one recommend and to want to keep playing as it is. Also, Unlike a lot of Souls games, there is no online component of any kind, so you can't call in help or anything like that. You can't leave notes, and I only bring this up because despite not having any online element of any kind, unless I'm missing something, you can't pause the game. When you pause the game, you're not really pausing the game. When you're in the menu, you're not really pausing the game. You can still be attacked, you can still be killed, and that is frustrating. And then going back to the shell system, the way death works is that you can get knocked out of your shell once and when you're knocked out you're back in your hollow form whatever it's called and i think you might be a bit more agile in there but you're very fragile but then you just go back to your shell re-enter it and you'll have full health and all that and yeah i I like that system as well i think there's some good ideas here and i would love to see them refined in a new game if they can refine it in updates for mortal shell even better. Then I'll be like, hey, everyone check out Mortal Shell. You know, it's it's a solid Souls-like, but it, as it stands, it's just, it's just not quite there. And that's a bit frustrating because I can see the potential there. I want to play, like, I can see way more potential in Mortal Shell than whatever that game I talked about a few weeks ago, Hellpoint, I think it was called. That one was just, I could not see anything in there. I was like, yeah, I want to play more of this or I want to get more of this. I, I wish this was different so that I could enjoy this element of it. With Mortal Shell, I'm like, if this was just a little bit different and this was a little bit different, yeah, I could I could see myself playing a lot of this. But as it stands, going to have to pass on it for now. Then I also played Helheim Hassel, which is a puzzle platformer, I guess. And you're this dude who is... A Viking? I guess you're a Viking, but you're a little timid Viking. You don't want to get into the action, and then you run away in the beginning. And you end up getting killed, and end up going to hell. And, and now you have to solve puzzles. You, you got all your limbs destroyed. They all came off of you. I don't even remember how that happened. There's a fair amount of story that I wasn't expecting with voice acting, and it's not terrible. The voice acting's solid. The story can be funny, though it can also be a little bit too much in terms of using hip language, I guess, or whatever you'd want to call it. I'm like, come on, I don't need this stupid dialogue. But overall, better than expected. The way it works is that you are this dude, and in order to progress through areas, you have to remove your limbs in order to solve puzzles. So if there's a small space that you can't fit in with your whole body, just, you know, let your head... Just, just you know, drop your head on the floor and roll it over there to step on a platform and on step on a platform to roll on top of a platform to open this door and then get your body in there. And when you're 
body is headless, you can jump higher so you can reach places you couldn't otherwise. You can remove your arms to get through narrow pathways and hit switches that you can't do with your head because it's a head. You can't hit a switch with your head. You can't pull down a switch or anything like that. And I liked it up until the point you started using your other limbs to solve puzzles because I think the game could have been really great if it just focused on a few core mechanics and then built creative levels and puzzles around that. If it just built levels around the ability to remove your head and throw it to get to specific locations, to roll through tight spaces and stuff like that, the fact that you can jump higher without your head and using that in the puzzles. But once they start letting you remove your arms and stuff like that, the controls become cumbersome because I found in my experience that when I was switching between things, if I had my head off and my arm off and what have you, that I would too often be trying to get to one of these parts and you do it with the, the bumpers. And I was like, wait, am I this part or that part? I, I don't feel like there was a clear notification or indication of which one I was controlling at any given point. And it just didn't feel as intuitive as it should have. And I eventually just got annoyed with it and wished it, instead of just giving me more and more ways to solve puzzles, that it took the limitations of just allowing you to remove your head and, and whatnot and formed more interesting levels and puzzles and all that around that. I think there is so much strength in limitation as opposed to just throwing all these different abilities at you and, and ways to solve puzzles. And that was a bit disappointing. But I do think it's worth checking out if you think it sounds interesting because it's not too bad. And the humor overall is decent for a game if that doesn't sound too dismissive. I don't know. Then a fold apart is a puzzle. Not It's not a platformer. You don't really do any serious jumping or anything like that. But it is a puzzle game where you are playing these two characters who are having a long-distance relationship. They've grown apart, or they're, they're apart now. One is in the city, one is in like the country. And you're doing these puzzles where you are essentially looking at the screen, and the screen is a piece of paper. And you're able to fold it in ways to create new platforms, make it so that you can reach the other side because you can flip the paper in addition to folding it and so you can manipulate the paper in ways to reach the star in order to complete a level and it's an interesting idea but I think the way it's handled doesn't offer much in the way of creative thinking and everything just seemed pretty straightforward for the most part and it's just like okay I, I can only fold it so many ways I, I can't do that much, so I must do this and this and this, and then it'll be done. And it just made me lose interest in playing it way faster than I was expecting, because I'm just like, okay, there's not much to this, and I don't care that much about the story. Like The, the story, surprisingly, didn't grab me at all. You have moments where you can make choices in terms of how the conversation goes, you'll, you'll get two or three options when texting with your partner. And I, and I quickly found myself not really caring about the relationship, which is on me. I, I don't think the, the game 
was doing a bad job or anything in that sense. I just like, oh, I don't really care. And I, I mean, part of it might be that it seemed like when I was playing as the country person, and I say person because you can pick the type of people who are in this relationship. So you can you can look at them as non-binary if you want, but they have the ability to be man and woman, woman and man, man and man, woman and woman. I know I said woman and man twice, but I'm just saying that you can choose which one is the man or the woman. So the, the blue one can be a man or woman and vice versa, which is nice. But when I was playing as the pink one, when they got upset over a few words that the blue one says like oh man it'd be so great if you could be here with me like the the pink one was like how could you say that how you want me to just drop everything to go back to this like i like being here and i was like fuck man what is what is the deal it's just a few words they weren't saying hey come back like i feel like they were taking that shit way too seriously and getting way too upset over it. And I'm like, God, I, I think that's the point where I'm like, fuck this relationship. I don't give a shit about you people. You're fucking insane. I'm out of here. And I think it's just because of me and my attitude towards all that stuff. I'm like, I am someone who doesn't get jealous or upset about that kind of stuff. Like, I don't overthink things. To me, if somebody was saying in that way, you know what? I really want you to come back here and be with me. Then they would just say that and if they don't then that's on them like i i i think i'm in the very small minority though in that sense where i'm just like just say what you feel don't talk around it don't hint at it if you feel this or that just fucking say it so yeah that <laughs> that annoyed me and i think that is going back to the point where i'm like i don't i don't really think it's a story's fault i think actually it is a story's fault and that, that part was just like, nope, I'm good, I'm out. But in terms of the gameplay, it just wasn't doing anything for me at all. Then I'm just about done with Pokemon Sword, which I've been playing for Attack the Backlog. And God, I'm so glad to be done with it. It's a bummer that it's it hasn't soured me on past Pokemon experiences at all. Pokemon Blue is still one of my top 10 games of all time. I adore that game. It means so much to me. But realizing that I've grown out of love with the Pokemon games and what they are is a bummer. That realization was not something I was expecting. I thought, you know, maybe I wouldn't be as fond of it as I was, but it is clear that I am not, it is not the game's fault and it's not my fault. I'm not going to put blame on myself. It's just that I am a different person than I was back in grammar school when I first played Pokemon Blue. It's it's been a long time since I've played a Pokemon game. I haven't really played one seriously since I think the first DS ones. And so not much has changed outside of the Dynamax thing, I guess, and the wild area that you can play online. I, I don't I don't know how much has changed over the decade plus that I've been away. But the one obvious change, the addition of Dynamaxing or whatever the hell it's called. I think that is incredibly stupid. Maybe it's more interesting when you're playing against a human and don't know when they might pull it out. But in the actual game, in the story, when you're fighting against gym leaders and all that, guess what? They're going to Dynamax their last Pokemon every single time. 
no other Pokemon. So you don't have to worry about it or think about it until then. But the way an enemy explodes when defeated by a Dynamax Pokemon is incredibly excessive. And I hate that so much. It just seems overly violent in a way I wasn't expecting. Just seeing like this huge explosion. I'm like, what the fuck? Is, what, why are they exploding? It's crazy. But yeah, it's been uh, oh, a terrible 20 hours spent with that game. That is what my in-game clock says, and that has been miserable. Pro tip, though, when you hit a certain level, the best way to farm levels and experience is not by battling opponents in the wild area or anything like that. It is through the Dynamax missions or whatever that are scattered throughout the wild areas. When you see the beam of light coming off those things, that is where an actual fight is. If you just go to one of the clusters of red stones, that is just like 50 watts or whatever you use for buying this or that but the ones with the light beaming to the sky are the ones that actually have fights in them and when you defeat them you will gain experience boosters candies whatever it is in various sizes whether it be small medium large or extra large and those are a ridiculous way to level up incredibly fast once you've hit a certain level and and can handle those fights if you're, if you're playing it by yourself, you will get AI teammates helping along. And those fights are pretty, like, as is with so much of Pokemon. Once you play to one, you know exactly how they're all going to play out. It's going to be the same thing where after the first round of fights or whatever, the Pokemon you're fighting will put up a shield, a barrier, and you'll eventually take down that barrier, which will do a bit of damage, drop down their defense death, and you should be able to take them out then. But those are definitely the way to farm for experience in the late game because I took my Gyarados from a level 60 to a level 75 very, very quickly, like less than an hour, maybe around a half hour's time, somewhere between like, let's just say 45 minutes. In like 45 minutes time, I level them up 15 levels and I also was able to, and this is the only way to get this, I believe, you get these consumables that will increase your Pokemon's Dynamax powers. So that is another reason to do all those. And now I'm just a few battles away from completing the game, I believe, and then I'll be done with it. It's, the saddest thing, though, is that I got to a point where I'm like, yeah, the catch rate seems real shitty in this game with some Pokemon, maybe a lot of them. I don't know if this is just the way it's always been and I didn't realize or didn't care when I was younger, but the catch rate seems real shitty. And after a point, I'm like, yeah, I just spent 50 minutes trying to catch this Pokemon that was in the red and I was using Ultra. I was using all these different type of Pokeballs to see if any of them would work and nothing worked. I'm like, man, fuck this game. I got to the point where I stopped caring about collecting Pokemon. And I think when that happens, you know you're no longer a Pokemon person. The last two games I want to talk about, Fortnite, I jumped back into that to try out the Save the World mode to see if throughout the years since I've last played it, if they've updated it to make it easier to continue with the single player or to continue with the Save the World mode solo and have it not be overwhelming because I hit a point when I was playing it before Battle Royale or any of that shit was in the game where it was just impossible to complete on my own where they would just throw too many enemies at me, too many high powered enemies, even building a grand structure around whatever I was protecting wouldn't work. And 
It is definitely easier now. You can change the difficulty, which is probably the the biggest difference in that it's not just like, okay, you're going here with this level of enemies, but you also can pick from like a zero to 10 level, I think, how hard you want it to be. So it's much easier now to keep continuing as a solo player, but returning to the game, I'm like, man, I'm reminded of how much I don't like playing this game, of, of how bad mechanically it is as a third person shooter it's okay but i would much rather play so many other third person shooters than fortnite i can't ever humor the idea of playing battle royale and after playing a few missions in the save the world mode i was like i don't like this i'm not going to just keep continuing this just for whatever dumb reason I am going to delete this. And I deleted it. And Apex Legends, I deleted that too. I was like, you know what? I've put a fair amount of money into this game. I won't say how much, but it's a decent amount. You know, multiple games worth. But at the same time, I got my money's worth from that game without question. I put probably over a thousand hours into it. I played 65 or over 6,500 matches. I had and have so many great memories from it but when i booted it up for the new season and played a few matches where it was just a really shitty experience dealing with the randoms and where they would drop and just how they would handle things and people dropping on just like this isn't fun the highs are great but the lows are really bad and there are more lows and highs given that i play predominantly with randoms and even if i was playing with my buddy it feels at this point more like work than play and that's not what i want out of a game i feel like with the season pass there's this part of me that is obligated to keep playing and make sure i hit that level cap to get these challenges done in time and i don't want to feel that way anymore so i made the hard decision it was not an easy decision but I made the the decision to delete the game and I will never look back. The only thing that will get me to return to the game is if they add more achievements because I have all a thousand achievements in it and I like having it completed in that sense. But if they add more achievements, which I don't think they'll do at any point, but if they did that, I'll jump back in to get those achievements unless there's some kind of bullshit thing that requires you to put money into it or something like that. But yeah, I had a great time with Apex. It lasted me, what, a year and a half? And I will miss it, but I also won't miss it, if that makes sense. But that is it, and that is all for this week's episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Marcus Ness. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast, Attack the Backlog, and on Amazingly Baca all of which are available on podcast services across the globe. And if you'd like to check out the art I make, you can check it out on the website as well. And if you see something you like, click the link and it'll take you to where you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. But uh, yeah, that is the end of this show. So once again, I don't know if I already said this or maybe not once again, either way, Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day and an absolutely lovely weekend. 
Bye-bye.